0: Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Two men. Fifteen minutes. Eternal Impact. Welcome to Text Talk.
1: His glory
0: I will see I will live. Welcome to the Text Talk Podcast. We are looking at Acts chapter 14. Edwin, what is our text for today?
1: We're gonna to start at the very beginning of the chapter. Just read the first three verses. I am reading from the English Standard Version. Now at Iconium.
0: All right, so in today's reading, we are picking up the next leg of this first evangelistic journey. Sometimes we call it this first missionary journey. of The Apostle Paul and his traveling companion Barnabas. Uh, They have left now Antioch, Pisidia, where we were looking in the last few episodes at that fantastic sermon that the Apostle preached, and we were noticing all the connections and the echoes to uh, other sermons earlier in the book of Acts, finding that it is the same gospel, the same message. But now uh, we see that the attention is largely turned uh, in Antioch Pisidia from the Jews to the Gentiles. The Gentile folks are receiving it. Uh, They have moved on now to a a new town. As you just read, we've gone
1: on to the town of Iconium, still in southern Galatia. But even though they have made a shift in focus from Jews to Gentiles, they get to Iconium and they still go to the synagogue first. Yeah, I'm glad that you pointed that out. It brings to mind that passage in Romans chapter 1
0: and verse 16, where he said that the gospel is for all to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And this is a pattern that we're going to see develop and continue, that even in a new community, when they first begin preaching, they always start with the synagogues. They always start with the Jewish population, uh, even in these predominantly Gentile communities and regions.
1: It's, it's hard when you're reading a book in the Bible sometimes to be able to say, what's the purpose statement. What's the goal? Um, there, there's, especially here in Acts, we've got a lot of narrative. There are probably a lot of things that Luke is accomplishing here as he's trying to communicate to Theophilus. Of mm-hmm. course, he gave mm-hmm. a statement, I want to set things in order. I want you to, beginning in, in Luke, sure. he said that. So I want you to have certainty about what is believed. It seems to me under that, though, as I'm reading through Acts, and I, and I always have in mind, I know where it's going to end up in Acts 28 with the very final thing he says, quoting Isaiah 6 about the judgment coming upon the Jews, I, I really believe that there is a significant part that Luke is trying to get across here about the shift from Jews to Gentiles. He's trying to set up all along the way that this gospel, which has started as they even thought it was just a another Jewish sect. Yeah, we're going to see some
0: evidence of that.
1: Sure. Has moved to be mainly a Gentile religion. It's it's clearly something completely different. And though it involves Jews and Gentiles together, I've I've been doing a study of Ephesians uh, throughout this pandemic time that we've had over the past couple months, and that's continued on. And one of the major points of that is Jews and Gentiles coming together. But certainly it has become more, more Gentile than Jewish. And I almost get the idea that Luke is highlighting along the way this wasn't by design. It wasn't that God, and, and what I mean by that is God's plan was not, let me move from Jews to Gentiles. He, his plan was for all, but every step of the way, the Jews in general are rejecting this. And we see it again. And so Paul, when he comes into a town, the first thing he does is he goes and offers the gospel to the Jews. That's right. Some accept. That's right. Many reject. And, it, and at almost every turn, it pushes him to go to the Gentiles which is the way the whole book is going to end.
0: Well, and to that point, what we also see is that this rejection of the gospel, the rejection of the truth that Jesus is the Messiah, and God has this uh, spiritual kingdom that's going to invite in all peoples, that level of rejection grows in intensity. And uh, we're going to see episodes
1: of that right here in Acts 14. You were telling me something as we were getting prepared to talk today. I had not looked this up. You were you were pointing out to me that at the end of verse 1, and I wanted to make sure we talked about it for everybody else to hear. Sure. Uh, at the end of verse 1, it talks about the folks who believed. Yeah. And then at the beginning of verse 2, it talks about those who don't believe. However, uh, and I can understand why you're reading the New King James. I'm reading the SV why in the English rhetorical structure they want to have that comparison of believing and unbelieving, but apparently in the Greek it's a little bit different here. It would almost be better to read it. What were you telling me?
0: Yeah, so it it's uh, when we talk about the rejection mentioned in verse 2, so you're reading the New King James, or I am, it says, but the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brethren. First, let me make the observation, so much of Acts 13 is dedicated to this sermon that Paul preached in a synagogue, and then we get some follow-up of, uh, you know, as he continued the preaching. I-, I think one of the things we can take from that is when we see a new town in Acts 14, verse 1, we've gone on to Icona, and he goes to the synagogue. Well, what do you think that sermon was? Probably very similar. Probably very, very similar. And we're going to find that the reaction uh, ultimately very is quite similar. But here's how it's, uh, you know, it's some shorthand here with Luke. Instead of giving all the sermon again, in, in chapter 14 and verse 1, it talks about how both Jews and the Greeks believed a multitude of them. So they're accepting this message that Jesus is the Christ. They're wanting to become uh, followers of Jesus. Verse 2, but the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brethren. Um, the, the word actually is better uh, translated disobedient the contrast is not between i mean rhetorically faith and unfaith Uh, but but what is disbelief it's actually disobedience what is true belief it is this uh, understanding in mind but also an affirmation in in action obedience you believe and you obey that goes together that's bible faith that's saving faith what is disbelief? Well, it's not just words. Uh, I say rejection, but but also a, a disobedience. And so the the rejection then is both in, in word and in deed. The disobedient Jews stirred up the Gentiles, poisoned their
1: minds against the brethren. So it would it, it would almost come off better to understand what Luke is getting at here if it said that they spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed, but the disobedient Jews the disobeying Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds. I think it would.
0: And what a lesson here about faith and a key to understanding what Bible faith is. It's not just mental assent. It's not just talking a good game, but there is an obedience to the directions, to the
1: teaching, to the commands of the Lord. So there's a sense in which we can say that a person can't claim to be a believer if they are a disobeyer. I think that's very good to learn, very important to understand. Uh, Granting an understanding that a person can give mental assent, there are plenty of people that can say, yes, I agree. Jesus is the Christ. He is the son of God. He came into the world to die for our sins. I agree with those facts. Sure. And yet at the same time, decide not to follow it. But what we're seeing here is the person who's made that decision... Does not truly believe Jesus or believe in Jesus, so I, I can't claim to be a believer until I am a submitter, until I'm giving that allegiance and responding.
0: I think that's absolutely right. Um, you know, to to put it the other way, the p- person that says I believe but they never practice it, well, there's a, there's another word for that, right? I, th- I think, and it's the it's kind of an ugly word, but it it, it becomes that word hypocrisy and hypocrite. Uh, to, to, I'm going to say all the right things, but I'm going to live my own way.
1: One of the things that really gets me right here in these first three verses, though, that really cuts to my heart and about my own commitment, sure, my own conviction, my own practice, I find that Paul and Barnabas left Antioch Pisidia because persecution was starting. They, they preached, and that first time they preached, it seemed to be accepted rather well, Mm hmm. So the next time they came and because more Gentiles came, then the Jewish uh, audience started getting jealous and they started raising a ruckus against them. And so Paul and Barnabas leave, shaking the dust off their feet. They get to Iconium. I think you're right. They're preaching a very similar message. Some people are believing. And in yeah. fact, boy, maybe before I get to that other thing, I wanted to, I, it really hits me. They spoke in such a way that a great number believed. I want to be able to speak in that way. That's my prayer, that I can speak in a way that a great number will believe. Mm -hmm. Very powerful. But then it says the disobeying, the unbelieving Jews, stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their mind against the brothers. So all of a sudden it takes a dark turn. There's the positive side. There are a lot believing, but there are some unbelievers who are poisoning the minds against them. Then I see what's in the next verse. Mm -hmm. So. I think the New King James says, therefore, mm-hmm. what do I expect? They're, the minds were poisoned against them. There's this dark turn. It, they're being turned against. What I expect to read is, so they decided to move to the next town.
0: So they shook the dust off their feet again.
1: Yeah. And yet that's not what happens. No. Instead, in this case, it is, so they remained there a long time. The Jewish audience is poisoning the minds of the Gentiles. So Paul and Barnabas double down. Mm -hmm. It's time to get this truth out there. And so they Mm -hmm. they keep pressing on. They continue to proclaim the gospel. And when I say they double down, I don't mean that in a well, Jerk, arrogant, me- means. I'm just talking about the conviction of we're going to keep teaching the truth. I think of it in a Jude
0: three kind of context of contending for the faith. What does it look like? What does it mean to contend for the faith once for all delivered to the saints? Well, it's not that you pack up and leave at the first sign of trouble, and it's not that you uh, you know take it all back and that you are hushed because there is a a voice of opposition raised against you. They did not pack up and leave Antioch, Pisidia. Quickly, right? Right. And that deal about shaking the dust off your feet—that feet—that's not. That's not. I throwing the towel on
1: you. No, that's a response. That's that's following in Jesus' footsteps. What he claimed they should do.
0: That's exactly right. It's obedience to the word of God and leaving you and the ground you stand on in God's hands and God's judgment. That's not a really a good thing at all. And so they come here, and they're not easily scared. They're not easily pushed away. They continue on this whole business about seeing and understanding people. People are poisoning the, the the opposition is poisoning the minds of people against this message. Well, there's an antidote for that poison. The antidote is truth, and we're going to keep bringing that antidote antidote to the poison.
1: And for them, uh, they had the testimony of God on their side as well as this in this part of the uh, proclamation of the kingdom of the propagation of the kingdom. God is working alongside of them, just as Jesus had promised the apostles in those great commission passages. God is bearing witness with signs and wonders, which, yeah. which actually tells us a little bit about the purpose mm-hmm. of the signs and wonders. The signs again, doesn't it? Yeah. The signs and wonders were not given just to impress people. The mm-hmm. signs and wonders were not given so that I could be uh, rich as an apostle. The signs and wonders were not given just so I could heal all my friends or just so I could be nice. The signs and wonders were given as a testimony from God that this is really true. And so Paul and Barnabas, as they are preaching and teaching, they came into this town, they are working these signs and wonders. That is God testifying with them so that more will recognize. And that's that's the purpose of that work of the Spirit in their lives. I think that's
0: something we see throughout the Bible. I think it's a good thing to bring up, particularly when we think about in the context of apologetics and how do you demonstrate that something is true. Well, you know, it, it's one thing to claim you're God's messenger. It's one thing to claim that this is God's message. How do you demonstrate that, you know, and it's with these signs and wonders that God's message and his man is confirmed by his power. That was the apologetic they had to lay down
1: at that time. We're asking every step of the way as we read through Acts, how did this work? If it didn't work exactly as Luke is telling us here in Acts, how did it happen? How did it happen that Jewish men started teaching about a Jewish Messiah who died and then resurrected on the third day and Gentiles actually believed it? Mm -hmm. It didn't happen because they were superstitious people who just believed anything religious, anybody came along. It happened because they saw things and they experienced things that said this thing we know never happens, resurrection, this time it must have happened because look at what these guys are doing. Mm-hmm. That's right. Oh, man. Well, here we are right at the last moment, getting into maybe even the coolest part. We'll have to talk some more about that later. Let's it's time for us to kind of wrap up here. We'd love to hear what you're learning, what uh, what you're reading. Go ahead and give us an email, text, talk at ChristiansMeetHere dot org, and let's go ahead and wrap up with a prayer.
0: Our great God and Father, thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for this time in Your Word. Thank you, Father, for the wonderful example that we see here with Paul and Barnabas who were willing to go to places they had not gone before, to meet people they had not met, to carry your truth, the gospel of Jesus Christ, to precious souls. And even in the face of opposition, they were not fearful, but they were bold. And when the truth was challenged by the poison of error, they spoke the truth more boldly, trusting in you, Father, that that truth is the antidote. God we ask that that truth, we would receive it and act upon it. Believe and obey it in our lives this day for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray.
1: Amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians Who Meet on Livingston Avenue this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at ChristiansMeetHere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge wrote and sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at OccupEldridge.com. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast so others can learn about it more easily. Have a great day.